Good morning. Welcome to this final teaching session within our Deep and Wide series, which I've personally really appreciated the input of several of our teachers and team members. Uh, today we want just to sum up and to reinforce the major messages that have been presented during this season. And this is basically about uh, the foundations of our Christian faith and expression and then the way in which we are able to live that out in our lives and in our world. In terms of the foundations, I want to summarise it just in uh, three key areas and uh, others have presented this very well during the season. The basic foundation is that we are a redeemed people. Uh, the cross is the centre of who we are and what we do as Christians. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have life everlasting. So it's through God's love that he expresses grace to us and the key grace is forgiveness. That we can start again. We are a redeemed people. The second area is uh, the area of, of the basic message of Christianity. And uh, I believe that this is uh, expressed most effectively in the scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. And I just want to choose out one part of the Sermon on the Mount just to read some aspects of it from the message today to reinforce what we as Christians believe and seek to put into practice. And uh, I, don't worry, I'm not going to read all of this, but we will just scroll through some aspects of the Sermon on the Mount. Notice that... Um, Every one of these blessed sentences and points is very powerful. It starts off, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. I'm not sure how effectively I've come to terms with that kind of teaching that even in difficulty, in trauma, uh, in stress. I can thank God because it helps me to go deeper. But then even as we scroll through to some of the others, um, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Uh, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. And then, particularly this one, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. These are incredibly powerful teachings that Jesus is saying are the essence of what it means to live life to the full. Towards the end, or right at the end 
of the Sermon on the Mount and others have actually reinforced this during the series, there is a sentence or a particular phrase that I think sums up uh, what Jesus is trying to say in all of his teaching, but particularly here in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and this is in chapter 7. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. I find that incredibly challenging personally because when I just reflect on those blessed sayings and the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, I find that I just need to repent. I just need to recognise that I've been brainwashed by other values different from the values that Jesus and God would have me to implement in life today. So uh, the foundations and uh, we believe that these foundations are uh, firm for uh, now and for eternity. They don't change. We are a redeemed people. We are a committed people, but we are also an empowered people. And that leads me again to a particular part of the Gospels in John and chapters 14 through to 17, where Jesus talks about the fact that um, uh, he's going away and he doesn't want his disciples to feel um, abandoned or orphaned. And he's saying to them, I'll send the comforter, the spirit, the empowerer, the counsellor, the guide, the alongside one, and he will live in you and change your life so that from being timid, fearful people, the disciples became brave, audacious world changers. So we are an empowered people, and I believe, and I know you believe that, we need today to open ourselves very regularly, daily, and many times a day to the power of the Spirit of God changing us from within. Uh, might I just suggest that I've tried um, probably more recently to do, do this myself personally, that we reflect on how we're going in these foundational areas, maybe every morning to begin a day, just Lord help me just to be empowered by your spirit, living by your word and thankful for your Redemption, And at the end of a day, just to reflect on how I've been going and how God has maybe um, in unusual or surprising little or big ways revealed himself through me to other people and be both repentant and also incredibly grateful. So that is the deep part. That is the essence. But then, of course, we've sought to express the wide 
part of who we are and therefore what we do as Christian people. And this, in contrast to the unchanging nature of the foundations, this is something that needs to be resilient, uh, ever-changing. Um, the way in which we express our faith is something that we need to actually be aware how effective or ineffective it is and seeking God's help and guidance to know the strategies and the processes, the ways in which we could change that to be um, more, more effective. There's, uh, there's, there's a parable in, in the New Testament that I've found puzzling for many years and still do find a little bit puzzling. Um, it's the parable in Luke chapter 16, which is in some versions entitled The Crooked Manager. And uh, uh, I'm not going to read um, this parable through, but give you the background and then just the impact of it. Uh, this is about a manager who goes away and has a, uh, uh, a servant who... Um, hasn't been doing all that well and the servant knows that um, he's about uh, to lose his job. So he does something which is um, resourceful and maybe a little bit crooked. Um, certainly really cunning. Um, I just hope and pray and uh, believe it wasn't illegal in those days. He had that kind of authority, but he calls in the people who owe money or in kind in those days, it was often uh, in kind, and he, he gets them to halve or have a fraction of what they owe. And the idea is that then when he's put off, he'll have some friends or some people who might um, be along, alongside him. And uh, uh, I think what Jesus is trying to say and actually does say through some of the translations is that he wants us as Christians to be smart about the way we go about things. He wants us to be even street smart. Um, he wants us to have our wits about us just as much as people who are uh, not confessing Christians might be totally committed to doing things in the way that would be most effective. And then, uh, and I like the uh, um, message translation of this, um, uh, I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival. I want you to be smart and for the right kind of expression. In other words, uh, we are called to be good strategists. We are called to be incredibly resilient people. And uh, I actually believe that uh, this is something that has um, been shown to be effective even through COVID-19. Um, I have the privilege of um, 
being along, alongside um, quite a number of Christian leaders and uh, I've been by Skype or phone or uh, FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, connecting with a number of those in, in the last couple of months. And I am incredibly amazed at how resourceful um, churches and leaders have been in terms of um, worship, in terms of small groups, home groups, um, in terms of mission and outreach so that it, it, there's many reports of um, much more than green shoots or silver linings. There's many reports of uh, unprecedented um, expression of faith and um, the opportunity to reach people who might not normally have been reached. Last week, I was privileged to be a part of a, a webinar um, and uh, uh, one of the participants in that webinar was a, um, a, a team member, a, a person from a church in Melbourne entitled um, City on the Hill. I don't know much about that church, but I don't think it's a mega church. I don't think it's a, a large church. But she expressed that uh, they had put their Alpha course on line and had 350 people sign up to do the Alpha course. And she said that's more people than we had anywhere near the number in a whole year previously. 350 people doing an Alpha course. In other words, there was a new way of doing it. Somebody uh, said to me a couple of weeks ago that as a result of COVID-19, what really could happen is that we do better than adapt. We actually innovate. And I love that distinction. There's a difference between adapting to something and therefore basically just getting by or seeing it as a great opportunity to rethink, to recalibrate, to do something uh, innovative. Some of you will know that part of my um, history is to be involved in uh, ministry training and theological education. Uh, many years ago now, um, after I'd been involved for some time, uh, the team that I was a part of uh, did a, a study. It was really only a, a, a pilot study seeking to see how effective our training was for ministry, ministry primarily within local churches. And to cut a long story short and to uh, not place too much emphasis on this study because it was basically just a pilot study, but I think the methodology was reasonably sound, we found that the better you do in college, the worse you do in ministry. Now, I mean, it was a, a correlational thing and it wasn't um, strongly negative, but it was a negative correlation. So there's no causation, but the higher the marks you got in college after five years of ministry from a wide range of um, assessments, the lower was the assessment of your effectiveness in ministry. And as a team, we said to each other, and the board of the college said, 
if we get anything like a negative correlation, we've got to look at the way we're doing things. We've got to see if there's a better way for us to actually equip people for ministry. That began a long process in a college that's now known as ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry, and it, it, it ushered in that the, the training model would be decentralised rather than centralised. Instead of having just the one campus, we would say, be in ministry and we'll bring the resources to you. It would be a just-in-time kind of model where people who are in ministry were accessing what they knew they really needed or wanted. And it would be a training that was not only academic and knowledge-oriented and skills-oriented, but it would be a training that was about formation, who the person is, the character, the spirituality of the leader as an essential part of training. And I don't know how effective the change of model will be for the future, but what I believe is that God was saying to us as a team at that time, have a go, um, reach out. Um, go wider, um, give it a go to see whether this is a better way of doing it. This COVID-19 situation is certainly a situation where I believe God is saying something very similar to, to that to us. Um, One of the surprising things about the way God asks us to be innovative and the way in which God is challenging us in our structures, our strategies and our processes to be different is that he's saying to us, take risks. You would probably be aware of the parable it's actually probably more than one time when Jesus gave a parable similar to this. But the, the parable of the, the servants who, when their master went away, was given um, resources in order to effectively carry out the business of the owner or, or the person who was the, um, the entrepreneur. And, and, and the one passage says that there was a, a steward who was given $5,000 and a steward who was given $2,000 and a steward who was given uh, $1,000. And the first two stewards um, put the resources to work and doubled. When the master came back, he said, um, fantastic, you've done incredibly well. Um, the person with the $1,000 said to the master, I knew that you were a bit of a tough boss. Um, I knew that you actually have very uh, high standards. So um, I didn't want to um, in any way diminish what you had given me. So I've, I've actually um, preserved it incredibly well. And uh, here it is, exactly as you gave it to me. And I want to read just um, a part 
of the way in which the master responded to that. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew that I was after the best, why did you do less than the, less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. I think so much of our current culture has the possibility to shrink our world, to shrink the way we approach our lives and our work so that um, playing it safe, um, risk management, and I'm not in any way denigrating um, risk management, but, but to have that as a major theme for life, Jesus says to us, that's not the way I made you to live. Um, uh, step out. Um, don't live cautiously. That's a terrible way to live. So that I'd encourage you and I encourage myself even as, as, as we grow more and more experienced that we not grow more and more cynical, that we not grow more and more conservative, that we still accept the challenge of Jesus to step out and do things in different ways that may actually allow others more effectively to know Jesus and God. I think God is using this present time, a very difficult time for many people, in order to help us to realise that um, this season we need to recognise and grasp as Christian people to take some risks and to be innovative. I love it in Luke chapter 12, and this is verse 56, where Jesus expressed, he turned to the crowd, and uh, this was primarily a crowd of um, Pharisees and religious scholars. When you see clouds coming in from the west, you say, storm's coming, and you're right. And when the wind comes out of the south, you say, this will be a hot one. And you're right, frauds. You know how to tell a change in the weather. So don't tell me you can't tell a change in the season, the God season we're in right now. Have you thought about that? God stays the same, but the season, what is needed and what is effective and what will work best is changing. And there is a season where I think God is saying to us, be innovative. Um, I hate to be able to say this or even to sum up, Christianity isn't doing all that well in the Western world. Um, discipleship is cracked at the very least, if not broken in terms of the way we are following Jesus in terms of the Beatitudes, etc. Um, leaders, by and large, are struggling. Um, mission, in many, many cases, is proving to be less effective than what we would hope and pray, and that doesn't 
um, in any way denigrate so many great things are still happening. But we are in a situation where I think God is saying, the season I want you to accept at the moment is one where your foundations go deeper and deeper, but your expression of your faith in a wider way is risk-taking and is innovative. There's uh, maybe uh, a real-life parable, um, and I don't really know whether that's a real reality or, uh, or not. There might be a contradiction in terms. What I'm talking about is a real-life situation that has a really important spiritual application for us. And that is where right at the end of um, the uh, time when Jesus was talking to his dis disciples or potential disciples, this is early in his ministry, but at the end of a teaching session, uh, and it was where he'd gotten into a boat and was talking to the crowd from the boat. And then he said to those whom he had borrowed the boat from, um, probably Peter and, and, and whatever um, group Peter was uh, a fisherman with, um, launch out into the deep and start fishing again. Um, let down your nets for a catch. And Peter says to Jesus, We've been fishing all night and haven't caught a thing. And I think Peter would have said, um, this is not the time to go fishing. You fish at night. You don't fish during the daytime. And um, this is not the place to go fishing. In other words, um, Peter would have said, I, I know more than anybody else about fishing. Uh, and, and, or at least as much as anybody else, and I can tell you we're not going to catch anything. But they did it. And it says that they caught so many fish that they could not handle them in their own boat and had to summon other boats to come to deal with the catch. This passage records that there were three outcomes of them launching out and going into the deep in a way that broke many of the rules about effective fishing on the Sea of Galilee. One outcome was a personal one for Peter. He said, I'm a sinful person. He actually said to Jesus, depart from me or I can't be a follower. Um, he didn't stick with that. But the impact on him of launching out into the deep and going down deeply and seeing the result profoundly brought him to be a follower of Jesus through repentance and through redemption. The second impact was that other boats came so that maybe... People who were competitors previously 
or saw themselves as competitors became cooperative. You remember one of the Beatitudes, you're blessed when you can cooperate rather than compete or fight. Wouldn't you long for the day where the harvest is so great that we actually are all together in being able to help people to come in and to grow? And the third repercussion was Jesus said to those fishermen, particularly um, the four Peter, the four fishermen that became disciples of Jesus, follow me. And we're told that they left their boats and all and followed him. I believe being a follower of Jesus is calling us, calling me, calling you today. Go deeper. But it's also calling us to do things that actually are wider and therefore to find that the catch and the blessing is what we would never have dreamed about, way beyond. And it has a personal impact, it has an impact within Christianity, and it has an incredible impact on our outreach. Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for your blessing. Thank you so much for um, being redeemed people, being committed people to your kingdom and to your message. Thank you, Father, for your spirit and being empowered people. Help us to launch into the deep in innovative ways. I pray for those who are very adversely affected at this time by COVID. Just help us to be a support and a compassionate, not only community of, of, of people who belong to you, but a, a compassionate um, society and a compassionate world. And thank you, Father, that as we launch out into the deep, that there is a catch that will just boggle our hearts and our minds. We pray for this. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen.